Today, we conclude our sermon series titled, Thine is the Kingdom, as we celebrate Christ the King Sunday. As Pastor Jeff shared in his message last week, there are certainly treasures to be found. So are we able to find those treasures and find the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? Before we answer that question, allow me to open with a word of prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May we all be filled with your message of grace this day. Amen. Our message today originates from the vineyard. Will read our New Testament passage about the landowner who hired some help throughout the day to work in his vineyard. And then he proceeded to pay them all the same, regardless of how long they worked. Wait, what? Did, did I understand that correctly? Paid all the same? Well, that's just not fair, is it? Let, let's review the story again. In the Gospel of Matthew, we learn that the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and then sent them into his vineyard. Now, keep in mind that a denarius was a a typical uh, pay for the day for unskilled day laborer. The landowner hired that initial group early in the morning at 6 a.m. But then he returned to the marketplace and hired more men at noon, at 3 p.m., and finally at 5 p.m. Work for the day ended at six, and all were paid. All were paid the same wages. Does that sound fair? Well, let's imagine for a moment what it would look like today if we take this event, and if we take it even a bit further. What if, what if we were the day laborers? We meet early in the parking lot, let's say at uh, near Ingalls on Highway 105. From there, we're dispatched for some day-long 12-hour project. It could be harvesting Christmas trees. It could be mowing grass. As we're working, we notice that other workers come in around lunch and then throughout the day. We're glad for the help, but certainly wonder why they didn't all join us first thing in the morning. But it's been a hot day, and we're happy that they helped us. And now, as the workday comes to a close, it's time to get paid. As those workers who arrived just an hour ago are the first to receive their pay, we notice that they're getting a full day's pay, the same that we were promised. Now, I'm getting excited because if they got a full day's pay for just an hour or so, I should be getting more. This is good news. I'm expecting that I'll be getting more than I was promised. But then, those of us that began early, we we realize that, in fact, we're not getting more. We're all getting the same pay. Those of us who began work early in the morning, we decry injustice. We work longer and harder. It's not fair that we get the same pay. Have you ever caught yourself declaring that something isn't fair? Surely we all have. 
And just as the workers in the vineyard complained, we're all wondering what fairness might be. Now, how did the landowner respond? Well, in the case of the day laborers from the Gospel of Matthew, the landowner said, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Did you, didn't you agree to work for a denarius? He goes on to say, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Well, he certainly got a point, doesn't he? But that doesn't make me feel any better. And I'm sure that those first day laborers that morning weren't any too happy either. But let's dig a little deeper into this story. Is it, is it really about a landowner and a vineyard? Or is Jesus trying to teach us something about the kingdom of heaven here on earth? Now, the initial offer for the first group of laborers was well within reason. While working the vineyards was an important task, it certainly didn't require much skill. As was customary, day laborers would gather at the marketplace early in the morning, hoping to be chosen for a day's work and fair wages. In this particular case, the landowner comes back several times to hire additional workers, offering to provide them, as the text states, with whatever is right, or in other words, fair wages. The landowner returns very late in the day to find even more laborers hoping to find work. He inquires, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? They answer him, because no one has hired us. Now, Note how the landowner then responds to them. You also go and work in my vineyard. He said nothing to them about pay. Yet the workers went without question. The laborers went with no expectation, but rather with faith. The last group of laborers went to work on faith alone with no promise of pay. When it's time to get paid, the last ones were chosen to get paid first. They are the recipients of the landowner's grace and generosity. The last shall be first. They are compensated for a full day's work, having been there only about an hour. Of course, that enrages those who have been working in the vineyard all day long. The angry, land, the angry workers complain these men who were hired last worked only about an hour, and you have made them equal to us, those who have borne the burden of work and the heat of the day. Now, I've reviewed several Bible translations on this last line of Scripture that says, you have made them equal to us. While the implication here is one of pay, I believe it goes much deeper. One could infer that the laborers, the laborers who were first chosen saw themselves as superior and took great offense at being lumped in with the others. Contextually, perhaps this is in reference to how the Jews felt about the Gentiles or maybe how the Pharisees and the teachers of the law felt about Jesus. And in today's setting, might this be in reference to how those of us with privilege Look upon those who are somehow marginalized when we are all placed together. 
certainly not a pretty picture. But recognizing the sinfulness of believing ourselves as superior puts us one step closer to repentance. If nothing else, it's certainly something for all of us to ponder. Now we take note that the landowner treats those uh, later day laborers whom he hired with equity. He then takes on a note of cordial rebuke when he calls out one of the complaining early laborers by saying, friend, I am not being unfair to you. The use of the term friend is clearly meant in a kindler and gentler manner in addressing those who were feeling mistreated. The landowner goes on to remind everyone that he did, in fact, keep his promise of fair pay. And it's his business how he chooses to spend his money. He then challenges his detractors when he asks, Are you envious because I am generous? Looking at the Greek text a little closer, are you envious could also be translated as, is thine eye evil? Or more commonly, is your eye evil? In other words, the landowner is asking those laborers if perhaps they are blinded by envy. The eyes were thought of as channels into the heart and soul of an individual. If one eye's focused on envy or greed or jealousy, such evil filled the heart and the soul. So what does that mean for us today? I believe that when we are envious, we focus on stuff, on material goods, on money. It tends to make us greedy or jealous. We become much more self-centered and much less Christ-centered. It becomes more about us and much less about what and how we can do for others in the name of the kingdom. But ultimately, we see this tension between justice and grace emerge from the vineyard. The landowner is gracious in how he provides for the laborers who were hired later in the day. Why was the landowner not equally gracious or generous to those early laborers who worked in the heat of the entire day? There's that tension. The landowner paid all the workers what he had promised he would pay. Justice was served. But was it fair? You can find some semblance of unfairness everywhere you look. And often we have two sides to the view, don't we? Take, for example, our national elections. One side will proclaim that the election process was unfair. Another side will proclaim that withholding the prescribed transition of power is unfair. Both sides will assert their compelling arguments, often with boundless emotion and even sometimes with violence. Who is right and who is wrong? Without resolution, it seems that the unfairness only multiplies. And often we wonder how anyone could take exception to our own beliefs and opinions. Why, we're always right, right? We typically only see things from one vantage point, however. Take, for example, the treatment of minorities and women. We should all be shouting from the rooftops about the inequities in our world. Just a few examples. People of color are treated unfairly. Women are treated as lesser than men. And then there's the unnecessary use of deadly force by our police officers in certain circumstances that's rampant. All of these 
capture our hearts and our thoughts. And from them, we, we generate our own opinions from our own vantage point. Yet at the same time, those with different perspectives, with different vantage points, may, sing, may see things otherwise. We may find it hard to believe. One local example drives that point home. Recently, an evangelical Christian group petitioned to rally in support of local law enforcement here in Boone, and it drew the ire from many locals who felt it was inappropriate given the present racial tensions. Perhaps it was. But there are many folks who felt that our local peace officers were being treated unfairly and being unfairly stereotyped. And they wanted to show support. Again, I ask, who is right and who is wrong? These are difficult conversations to have, especially when we are focused solely from our own perspective. On a more personal level, have you ever felt as though you were being treated or compensated unfairly as compared to your fellow employees? I would be remiss if I didn't confess to you all that I have felt that before. It's rampant in the fire service. There is always talk at the kitchen table of envy and jealousy about pay and preferential treatment, especially among us old-timers. But ask the rookie, ask that newest firefighter about this. He or she will tell you they have the best job in the world. Why? Because they are focused on the job. They are focused and grateful for that job that they have, that they were selected to be career firefighters. And they haven't been there long enough to lose that focus. As I said before, you can find some semblance of unfairness everywhere you look, and we may never find resolution. Do you want justice? Well, it comes along with grace. It comes with Jesus. We must first focus on Jesus if we are ever to find any resolution. We must believe that, and then we must compassionately share that message. This theme of unfairness, envy, jealousy, may remind us of another parable that Jesus shared with the sinners and the tax collectors, as well as with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. It starts out something like this. There was a man who had two sons. It's a story of envy and jealousy and greed and being self-centered. But ultimately, it comes, ultimately becomes a story of forgiveness and redemption and generosity and gratitude. You can all read about it in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, as Jesus recites the parable of the lost son. There are many lessons of gratitude to be found in the Bible when we struggle with that tension between justice and grace. Perhaps we can consider gratitude as a starting point for contemplation and discussion. I am grateful that I live in a democracy and that I have the right to vote. I am grateful that I even have a job. This morning, I was grateful that I could get out of bed and dress myself and fix myself a cup of coffee. And I'm especially grateful to be part of this loving community of faith here at First Presbyterian Church 
in boom. But I'm most grateful for the forgiveness of my sins as they've been forgiven through the ultimate sacrifice that God made in his son, Christ, our king, on that cross. Were those laborers who were paid a full denarius for less than a day's work grateful to the landowner? While we don't see that directly in the text, I believe that that those laborers who, who gathered late in the day were in fact very grateful. And to an extent, even those who received full pay for a full day's work, those early arrivals, certainly would have been grateful if they had been paid first, not ever realizing that those who came later received the same pay. Once again, we see how one's perspective impacts one's story. As Paul reminds the Thessalonians, and in fact, as Paul reminds all of us, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Friends, gratitude is meant to be shared. Thanks be to God. But you know, we still haven't resolved that issue raised by those angry laborers who felt cheated. Well, the story isn't over just yet, is it? The last line of our passage reads, So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now, there are different ways to interpret just what that means. There are different perspectives. Contextually, many sources point to the message that Jesus was sending to the Jews and the Gentiles, once again, about the belief of attitude of superiority. Those who felt like they were above everyone else. In other words, those who thought of themselves as first would, in reality, find themselves as the last when it came to entering the kingdom of heaven. They would enter behind those whom they supplanted, or the last of these. Jesus turns their world upside down by implying that those who found themselves marginalized, those who found sanctity in the saving grace of Christ, would be in fact those who would enter the kingdom first. And those who obeyed all the laws, those who knew the Bible backwards and forwards, those who were socially and economically superior, those who thought so highly of themselves, those who failed to realize the saving grace of Christ the King. Well, those people would be last. And of course, much like those first day laborers, they were none too happy with such a message. And you know, the same holds true today. No matter how hard we work, how long we work, no matter how smart we are, no matter how much of the Bible we can quote, and no matter how much we follow the rules, no matter whether we are white or black, male or female, conservative or progressive, salvation does not come to those who are at the front of the line. We are saved by grace alone through our faith in Christ. The tension of justice and grace continues. Questions of fairness, especially when there are shades of gray and and even more so when it seems so clear, will always exist. Here lately, such questions, such tension, seem to be dividing us at an exponential rate. Much like the aging firefighter I referenced earlier, we have lost our focus.
And there are many distractions, aren't there? But when we take a moment to focus on what is truly important, our eyes fixate on our King, Christ the King. His message today has been one of grace, generosity, and gratitude. Let us strive to be last, for thine is the kingdom. With humility and compassion, let us embrace grace and express gratitude whenever we can. When we find ourselves questioning or arguing the fairness and equity of something, let us first endeavor to find some common ground in gratitude. Let us not hold fast to our own vantage point, but rather may we explore different perspectives. Perhaps we may experience something exceptional or even life-changing when viewing the situation with different and grace-filled lens. God has given us all this opportunity, this gift. From the first epistle of Peter, chapter 4, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. May we always cling to the gift of gratitude and share it with others whenever we can. I think you'll find that gratitude not only produces a more positive attitude and outlook on life, it's also contagious. It's a win-win, something we can surely use this year of 2020. And from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 1, For thine is the kingdom of heaven, excuse me, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. The landowner was generous, and he continues his generosity in our lives today. Thanks be to God. May it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.